going to unleash my power rankings. You have power rankings? Oh, buddy. Oh, my God. That I'm gonna, is so unique, dude. That is so unique. Where do you come up with stuff like that? My brain. <laughs> that's it? That's all you need? Get little, up. Get up. brain power and that's all it takes? I'm going to unleash, unsheath these power rankings. <laughs> I love an unsheathing. When you unsheath something, it's definitely way more important than if you were to take it out in any other manner. You only unsheath swords and penises. Yes. You can unsheath your penis. Yes. You found the Crowley Show podcast where your mom listens and you should too check me out on twitter at underscore adam crowley get after tom at madden producer brian in some official high level meetings cannot join us today but check him out anyhow on twitter at fbomber 73 and please tell your kids tell your wife we're doing podcasting up in here later on in the show first edition of the power rankings It's never been done before in the history of an NFL-related podcast. And today's show is going to obviously be very NFL-heavy. I do think I owe one man an apology-ish, and that's Pat Narduzzi, the head coach of the University of Pittsburgh Fighting Panthers. They go on the road, SEC country, and it was ugly at times, but a road victory is a road victory. I pumped the brakes on apologizing to Pat Narduzzi, or excuse me, head football coach 97, Chris Bickle, Pat Narduzzi. Oh, my bad. That guy still made some pretty questionable decisions down there in Tennessee that could have cost them the game. He is not a very good football coach, but you know what he does have for the first time ever? He's got himself a damn good quarterback, and that's going to bail him out of a lot of the dumb decisions he makes this year. We're going to spend the vast majority of this podcast talking about the Steelers, but I'm pretty sure Kenny Pickett is actually older than Ben Roethlisberger. I think he is, too. Better, better arm for 15 though. years. Better arm, though. Oh, no question about that. I mean, some of his sideline throws in that game. Uh, I, I found myself, a West Virginia man, wanting to have the Panthers quarterback. Wow. Yeah, that hasn't happened a lot in my life. I don't think it ever has in your life before. The best pit quarterback we had, I think you had Pat White rocking at that point. That's so, true. I mean, well, why would you trade for anybody for Pat White? So. It's an odd place to be. I do think this might be the year now, at this point, the way the schedule lays out for Pitt to get to 10 wins. But we'll discuss that if they should get closer and closer to that milestone. The Steelers need to be changed to don't Blitzburg. TM? TM. Wow, that's incredible. Just came up with it. More brain power on display. Don't Blitzburg. Don't Blitzburg. Because it, it used to be Blitzburg, right? Like, that's the thing. Like, that's the whole mantra was Blitzburg. We're coming at your ass with more than four guys. But now it's don't Blitzburg. It's a rebranding. I think, and this is a TM, too. Oh, my God. You're picking up what I'm putting down. A 2TM in the matter of 30 seconds. I don't think that's ever been done before. The Steelers only blitzed on roughly 2% of the dropbacks for Josh Allen in that game on Sunday. And yet, they were among the league leaders for getting after the quarterback in week number one. And I think that they caught Buffalo by surprise. Mike Tomlin really outcoached. Sean McDermott. And I think Sean McDermott's one of the best coaches in football. I think he's a really good 
quote-unquote program builder, for lack of a better phrase. He's a good motivator. He's got this team generally performing pretty consistently. He made the playoffs early on there in Buffalo at 9-7 and seven with Tyrod Taylor, a quarterback, and that just was not a good football team. So I'm a big believer in Sean McDermott, but I think the Steelers totally pulled a fast one on them on Sunday. The Steelers blitzed just 2% of the time. As I mentioned, Buffalo was blitzed more than any team in football last year. And Josh Allen actually was successful against the Blitz and not against the Blitz last season. But everyone thought the way to defend Josh Allen, the way to beat those guys, is to bring pressure from every which way, rush five, rush six. And it's not that Josh Allen can't perform against dropping seven and eight guys into coverage. It's that they probably didn't expect the Steelers to do it as infrequently as they did bring pressure. And yet the Steelers still did get pressure on Josh Allen I thought that the defense played about as well as you could play against an elite offensive unit on Sunday, and all because of that game plan. Now, the individual efforts, I know that Mika Fitzpatrick was the 71st-rated safety in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. He had a massive stop on third and one that set up a huge fourth-down stop by Cam Sutton. So the individual efforts were great. Cam Hayward, I thought, was outstanding. We know that T.J. Watt was... At TJ Watt levels, he had two sacks in the game, but I thought the Steelers coaching staff did a really good job of preparing and coming up with the game plan. In addition to that, Sean McDermott, again, big supporter of this guy, he said after the game when asked, why were the Steelers able to get so much pressure with four? His response was, sometimes it was only three. That is a dominating <laughs> defensive performance against the runner-up for MVP last season. And what this does, shirtless Tom, is it changes some of my calculus here. It changes my math on the Steelers' record at the end of the season. Wow. I had him at 9-8. and eight. I had him losing to Buffalo. They beat Buffalo. Bang! 10-7. and seven. That's easy math right there. Mm-hmm. Add one to the win column. Take one away from the loss column. Playoff team. I love it. I think you're absolutely right. And here's the other thing about only bringing four people on a rush and getting home that really just tickles my fancy. How many times do you see elite quarterbacks get taken out by that strategy? We just saw it in the Super Bowl last year Mm -hmm. with Patrick Mahomes. The Buccaneers only had to bring four to get pressure on him, and they could drop everybody else back in coverage, and you need everybody you can get in coverage against a guy like that. How did Tom Brady lose those two Super Bowls to the Giants? It sure as hell wasn't the lesser Manning brother. It was that pass rush getting home with just three or four guys. And in an NFL world where these quarterbacks are coming, I mean, they're elite right out of college. Josh Allen, there's a ton of young guys that are going to be dominating this league for 10 years. It's really nice to see that the Steelers are getting a lot of pressure against one of those elite guys with just four, sometimes three guys. We're sitting in the X studio because of logistical nightmarish things, and we're recording the podcast here. The guy who usually sits on the other side of the glass, Mark Madden, he says that edge rusher is not that important. And I've totally disagreed with him for a very long time about this. He thinks corner's more important. He thinks there are other positions on the field. I think it goes quarterback. And then obviously, and then it's the guy who protects the quarterback and the guy who blitzes the quarterback or rushes the passer, the edge rusher. I think those are 2A and 2B uh, in whatever order you want to put them. And I think we saw why on Sunday. You can neutralize great passers if you can harass them and you don't have to blitz. Now, my question is... Are the Steelers going to be a team this year that only rushes four 
Or are they going to be a team that's blitz happy? Last year, I think they blitzed on 40% of the, the time. It depends on which site you're using. I saw some said 35%. At any rate, the Steelers blitzed a lot last year. They blitzed less than anybody in football in week one. Now, is that a Bills-specific plan? Or is that a, holy cheese and crackers, we can win up front against anybody plan? Because the Oakland Raiders are coming into town this week, and we'll get to them. Their offensive line's not good. The Bills' offensive line is not bad. And the Steelers ragdolled dudes. Another cool thing that they did, Tom, not to cut you off, I'm sorry. I didn't even start talking. You're about to. I could see your lips flapping over there. In your mind's eye. I was thinking of something else. That's why they were flapping. <laughs> your lips were flapping in your head. And I knew it was ha- I knew it was coming. I knew it was happening. The Steelers also rotated a whole bunch of defensive players. Seven dudes in the secondary. They rotated just about everybody on that defensive line. Cam Hayward did not play anywhere near as much as he played last year. T.J. Watt rotated with Melvin Ingram, who was rotating with Alex Highsmith, who was rotating with T.J. Watt. And the Steelers, a team that I thought going into the offseason were going to have a big depth issue on defense. I think that's one of the strengths of this team. Again, only one week. But this team's got depth on defense, and when you can sit T.J. Watt down for two, three plays, and you've got a guy who's been a multiple-time pro bowler, Melvin Ingram, coming in to rush off the edge, you're in a really good spot. And if you're Cam Hayward and you have to come off the field, well, I'd probably want Melvin Ingram and T.J. Watt to be in there then if it's a passing situation. Uh, And then there's Micah Fitzpatrick and... That guy. Yeah, Norwood. That guy stinks. Stinks. Steelers are going to make him the 71st highest paid safety next year. Seriously, Colbert needs to throw that PFF ranking right in his face and say, sign right now for the league minimum. That's all you're going to get in this stupid league, you disgusting safety. You don't know how to play this position. Don't Blitzberg. Don't Blitzberg. TM. I would rather the Steelers all year long be the Rush 4 team. And if there's occasions where you can't, where you can't get pressure, if you're losing up front for a particular Sunday, you know what? Fine. Go back to your Blitzburg roots even of last year. But the way that you can harass quarterbacks in this league, it's a proven formula, as you mentioned, Tom. Four, and you drop seven. Or three, getting pressure, and you drop eight. Uh, You make the windows tighter. And we'll get into the Raiders, but they targeted Darren Waller 19 times. You find a way to jam him off the line of scrimmage, whether it be with Mika Fitzpatrick or Terrell Edmonds or Schobert bumps him, and you got a safety over the top, whatever. All of a sudden now, you know you're going to win up front against those guys. Who's he going to throw the ball to if you got Waller covered? We'll get into the Raiders in a couple of minutes, but don't Blitzberg. Hashtag. I wonder if the Steelers might have pulled a little Christopher Columbus here and discovered something great on complete accident. Genocide? Uh, no, not that version of it. The fact that he was trying to find India and then he stumbled across America, the Americas. Right. But I digress. They might have accidentally stumbled into a phenomenal game plan. And what I mean by that is maybe they were going to go rush three, rush four against Josh Allen because this dude can really make plays happen with his feet. So we got to spy him with a Schobert, with a Bush. So we bring a guy back. We're not really utilizing those guys in any blitzes because they need to stay in the middle of the field in case Allen takes off and the pocket collapses. So maybe after seeing how successful they were at doing that, Tomlin's sitting back and watching film and being like, you know, this was just supposed to be something to neutralize Allen and any other mobile quarterback we'd face. I mean, we face Lamar twice this year, too. We'll definitely use this then as well. But maybe he's sitting there thinking, do I even need to bring any blitzes against any of these quarterbacks? Maybe even the ones that are sitting ducks in pockets, I don't even need to blitz. We'll still get a lot of pressure on them, and the windows become even tighter in the secondary. So 
maybe this was just a game-specific game plan that just worked so much better than they could have ever imagined, and now they just are going to use it for the rest of the year. I'm interested to see what happens against Carr because, I mean, he's not immobile, but he's a pocket passer, so it'll be interesting to see how many blitzes they bring against him. Well, Steelers committing genocide against quarterbacks all throughout the National Football League. Keep mm. an eye on that if you are Derek Carr. I mean, if anybody knows about being murdered on the football field. It's his brother, David Carr, who spent the entirety of his Houston Texans career on his back, a la Mia Khalifa. But my thing is, yes, maybe they did come upon this by accident, but you got Melvin Ingram, you got TJ Watt, sometimes Alex Highsmith all on the field at the same time. You think you know how it looks, and then you see it in action, and it's like, hmm, you know what? Maybe we should stick with this thing. It might be Bill-specific, though, because, and we talked about this last week, I think, the stat was through three quarters, the Bills drop back to throw like 80% of the time. Like, they never run the ball. Ever want to run the ball. So it does make it easier to just pin your ears back and say we're rushing four and we think we can get pressure on the quarterback. But uh, I hope this is something they stick with all season long. Not the genocide, but the hashtag don't Blitzburg. What's the champagne for, man? I don't know. It's been sitting in here for a couple days, and it's kind of I'm kind of doing that thing where it's like I let it sit there, mm-hmm. and if no one claims it after a while, then whoever brought it forgot about it. And it's mine now. So I think I still got about a week to do that. It's in 1898. I think that's the brand. It might be the brand, but I'm gonna tell everybody that it's. From the year 1898. It's a Luc Pelard, Brut Gold, uh, Product de France. I think the Raiders might be a tougher matchup than Buffalo. I don't think that's right. I keep hearing you gas bags say that all over the airwaves this week, and I just disagree with that completely. I think the Bills are a better team. I'm not sure it's close. Buffalo, yes, is far better. But we talk about the Steelers rushing four. We talk about the Steelers getting after the passer. Buffalo never wants to run. They don't even feign running. They don't pretend to want to run. It's like girls in high school. They just didn't even pretend to know I was there. Do you know how many times I got bumped into in high school? Women just pretending that I wasn't there? you know how many times that happened? Not many. <laughs> but the Bills don't even pretend to try to run the ball. And so the Steelers, they say, okay, pin our ears back. We'll rush four. We'll get them on the ground. We'll kick some ass. Bingo, bango. Get out of there with the victory. I think they're going to beat Oakland, Las Vegas, whatever. But they're going to have a tougher time because I do think Oakland, Las Vegas, whatever, is going to try to run the football if Josh Jacobs plays. Here's the thing with this game. I think the Raiders are absolutely the Steelers' bogey team. We all know the rich, rich history between the Oakland or the L.A. Raiders and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, these two guys hate each other. I mean, you might think the Ravens, if you're closer to our age, Crown Man and myself, but, you know, your grandfather, it's the Raiders. That's the team he hates. But here's a a little storyline that no one's talking about that I think needs to be amplified. No, I'm not talking about the West Coast trip that they're making all the way over to the East Coast playing at 1 o'clock. No, I'm not talking about the fact that they played on Monday night. I'm talking about the fact that this very literally ain't your grandfather's 
Oakland Raiders. Mm. These are the Las Vegas Raiders mm. now. I think the magic was in Oakland. I think the magic was in L.A., not the Raiders team name. I think they go to Vegas and the Steelers rip off at least the next 10 straight games against the Raiders. Whoa. I'm calling it right now. 10 straight against the Vegas Raiders. Look, Vegas is a lovely town, but it's just a town for gambling and debauchery of all sorts of natures. It's not a football town. And I think the Raiders lore is going to die slowly now that they've moved to Las Vegas. Yeah, whatever. That might happen. Might not. I don't have a damn crystal ball. You zoned out when I was talking, didn't you? Eh, maybe a little bit. What I do know, Tom, is that Terrell Pryor beat the Steelers. 93-yard oh run. Oh, my God. I remember, dude. In Oakland, though. So. It was in Oakland. No, I'm getting to that because I think that there's something to this. Maybe, perhaps. I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. As I said... Terrell Pryor takes one 93 yards to the hizzy and Ryan Clark and I believe Lawrence Timmons. There was an argument about who effed up worse on that play. The first time I ever did a sports show in this town that people heard was the Tuesday after that with Charlie Batch on FM News Talk. It was called 104.7. The normal host couldn't do it. So I had to sit there with Charlie Batch and I said, bro, the Steelers are two and five. Or two and four, whatever they were at the time. I said, should they start thinking about playing the younger dudes? Because this team sucks ass. He said, no, 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 crown man. Not at all. That's what they called me back then even still, crown man. And they didn't, and they wound up finishing eight and eight. But that team was awful. Ben Roethlisberger's appendicitis game against the Oakland Raiders. He goes out there, throws four or five interceptions, and the Steelers lose right after they win a Super Bowl. Also... The Steelers had the Josh Dobbs game with the x-ray machine. X-ray machine. Ben couldn't get his MRI. Out there in Oakland. Also, and this is when they played there, but they played in Pittsburgh. Bruce Gradkowski comes in here, and he beats the Steelers. It's not just that the Steelers have lost to the Raiders throughout the years, even in our lifetime. It's that they've lost to teams that I don't think have ever finished with a better record than the Steelers did in those years, and yet they beat Pittsburgh in almost embarrassing, wacky, cursed fashion every time. So what you're saying is now that we're not playing a game in that absolute bleep hole of a stadium out in Oakland, that was it, the call, the Oakland Coliseum or whatever the hell O.Co. or whatever. Whatever the hell they used to call it, where MRI machines don't even work. Now they got the nice new fancy digs, the gambling money paid for it. We got a ton of MRI. We got five MRI machines now. You can have more than one guy go down, and you can get that guy back on the field quickly, of course, if there's no tear. But the MRI machine will be able to tell us that instantly. So maybe you're right. You know, Maybe it's like we've moved off of an ancient Indian burial ground mm. where someone in the way, way, way back buried a terrible towel under the dirt at the stadium. And now we've been cursed ever since we got to that stadium. Now that they're in Vegas, maybe, you know, that lure is away from them. But I think all of this is moot because the game's in Pittsburgh. It's moot. And uh, that's your theory, not mine. I've heard it both ways. <laughs> Your mic's making a weird sound. I just noticed that, too. This stupid studio that we have to be stuck into. You know what? The Crowley Show podcast gets no respect. We're like the Rodney Dangerfield of podcasts in this building. We get no respect. We're basically doing it out of a basement right now. It's disgusting. It's a podcast. (laughs) Whatever. I hate the way that sounds. I'm sorry. Everybody listening to my voice, listen to my voice. Listen to it really closely. Turn it up on your radios. Podcast. It's a podcast. I'm sorry. Tito, 
NFL Power Rankings are back. <laughs> and by back, I mean we're inventing. We're inventing. No one has ever done ever. this before. So it's not back. It's NFL Power born. NFL Power Rankings are born. <laughs> I made this in my notes segment, right? Mm-hmm. I, I put my rankings down, mm-hmm. but it was being all finicky with the formatting. So it has my top five teams in the NFL listed from five to nine. So that's how we're going to do it every week. Wait, wait, wait. With nine being one and five being five. No, 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 no. You don't want to do that? I completely disagree with this. I don't even know what the hell you're saying right now, so I know for a fact the listeners are going to have no clue how to follow this. I'll just go from five to one. I think you should just go from five to one. I'll self-edit here. Yes. Number five. The Pittsburgh Steelers. What the hell was that? I don't know. I just saw it and thought we could use a little spice on your reveals. So you just clicked whatever sound you burr. you saw there. Yeah, okay. well, it's going to be burr from now on, but it's just a little Gucci Mane in the power rankings. Okay, that's fine. Burr. The way I look at Super Bowl contender shirtless Tom isn't the most complete team in football. It's not who's got the best quarterback, though that factors in more times than not. It's... Who's got elite units apart from Dak Prescott? We all saw that picture. What was oh it last year or the year before? We're talking about elite. Greatest of all time. Dick Prescott. Mm-hmm. It's like a yard marker. It's like the pylon, that thing. I don't know how he keeps that in a sheath. At any rate, the Steelers, they've got, I think, one of the best five units in the National Football League. Their defense. And I know it's an offensive league and it's a quarterback-driven league. And everyone wants to talk about the Chiefs offense and the Bills offense, right? And there are a couple other units that fit in there as well. The Steelers' defense is right there, I think, with Kansas City's offense as being one of the most dominant sides of the football in the league. Now, I will take the Chiefs' offense over the Steelers' defense. They have a chance to prove that on the field later on in the season. But the Steelers are five for me because their offense, excuse me, their defense just neutralized the second best offense in football and made them look just absolutely flummoxed. Number four, the Cleveland Brands. Wow. You're going to keep the Cleveland mm. gosh darn Browns in front of your Pittsburgh Steelers when they're 0-1 and the Steelers, excuse me, and we're 1-0? How dare you? The gall of you, sir, to do that. I'm very upset. I bought into the offseason hype. So now you don't want to look bad already? So you're just going to keep them up artificially to make sure you look good? Listen, I'm not going to throw away an entire offseason <laughs> of hype after 60 minutes losing to the best team in football. <laughs> Or maybe the second best team. Depends on where my uh, power rankings shake out here. But Cleveland, I think they beat any team in football last week except for Kansas City. Maybe Tampa. I mean, they played a really good game until they peed down their leg. And Baker Mayfield did what Baker Mayfield does, which is make a mistake at the critical moment. But they are who I thought they were. And I told people all offseason. Their biggest weakness is the quarterback. They're stacked largely everywhere else. And that means they can still go to the AFC Championship game. I just think when you get to the Final Four, you lose out to a greater quarterback or perhaps a tremendous defense. But I think they might have beat any other team in football last week. I still think they're excellent. The Cleveland Browns had four. Number three, the Rams. This team scares the hell out of me. I forgot where they played. L.A. There we go. Los Angeles. They had the best defensive player in football this side of Cam Hayward. 
according to Pro Football Focus. Of course. Of course, it's like gospel. Mm-hmm. They've got Matthew Stafford, and they got Sean McVay. It's almost like you forgot that Matthew Stafford is, like, really, mm-hmm. really, really good at this quarterback thing. Like, just toiling away in Detroit for so many years, you forget that that dude is maybe a top-five quarterback in the NFL still. How many games have they won with Goff? And I don't think he's Goffle. It's not that hard to beat Goff. Beating Goff. But he's not Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford's been waiting to spread his wings like a young Catholic girl in high school going off to college. She's ready for some oral exams. Matthew Stafford ready to spread his leg uh, wings. Number two, the Chiefs. This is where the power rankings get kind of boring. Well, F off. It's not your fault. It's just I know what these next two teams are going to be because they're, they're so obviously the best two teams in football right now. The Chiefs, I think if they play Cleveland in the playoffs, that, that scares them maybe a little bit. You think the Chiefs are looking at the Browns as maybe their bogey team potentially, even though they've never lost to them under Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> yeah, they beat him a couple of times too when it mattered, and they beat him without Patrick Mahomes largely last year in the playoffs. But that recipe holds true, right? I mean... Cleveland's thinking, we can go in there and we just need to catch the punt that we're beating them if, if exactly. the same stuff happens in the yeah. playoffs. And I think that Cleveland, if you're Kansas City, you look at them and you say, we know what they're going to do, but we can't, we can't stop it. We can't stop their run. And it's about forcing Baker Mayfield to have to throw by keeping up offensively with Cleveland. But uh, I think that they scare Kansas City a little bit. But Kansas City, still the best. Except for the number one. Yeah, yeah, the second best. Number two best. Number one! Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady said this week he wants to play until he's 50. That son of a bitch. He's going to do it, too. I mean... Why would you ever say he wouldn't? He's. I think he's better than he ever has been this year. Maybe. I don't know. He's played a game. You know how people say Michael Jordan was playing his best basketball in 1998 in his last season and that if he would have just stayed instead of retire, his second retirement, he would have just dominated the next year because his mental acumen caught up to his physical abilities? Mm. Well, Brady's... More in shape than he ever has been, and I think his mind's sharper than ever, too. So I think we're all screwed for another half a decade. I just saw that Drew Brees never threw a pass 50 yards in the air in New Orleans, <laughs> and Jameis Winston did it already this weekend. That can't, you mean as in, like, last year? No, air yards. Ever. ever. In the history of his time in New Orleans. Correct. That's impossible. I believe, I believe you, but that's got to be impossible. I believe me, too. He never threw the ball 50 yards in the air. Correct. Once. And so, when his arm went, which <laughs> it absolutely did last Sounds year. Sounds like it was never there. Well, it was done. It's like when Chad Pennington can't throw the ball anymore. You said, when could you ever throw the ball, Chad right. Pennington? Well, Tom Brady... I mean, he's still zipping that thing, man. crazy, man. And the weapons he's got are remarkable. The best he's ever had in his life. You ready for this take? I think last year's Super Bowl win was sort of fluky for them. I mean, it's a weird season, and they're 7-5, and and they're good, and they got weapons, and they got a great defense. But uh, all year long, they weren't the best team in football. This year, they were a wild card team last year. They had to go on the road in the first round. They went on the road in every round. They almost lost to Heineke. I know. Heineke had like 60 yards to pay dirt with a chance to put the Washington football team in the divisional round. Wow. That's not a place you want to be if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We saw what happened to the Giants the other night with Heineke having a certain amount of yards to pay dirt. You don't want to mess with Heineke. No, you don't, especially not if you give him an extra chance to kick the ball through the uprights. You never want to mess with Heineke. Yes. 
Kay Adams has never seen Top Gun either. Did she say that today on GMFB? Correct. I missed today's episode. She's my BFF. Wait a minute. You've never seen Top Gun? No. You referenced the volleyball scene 24-7. I thought that that reference was just indicative of Top Gun being the one movie you actually had seen. Volleyball scene. Kenny Loggins. Mission Impossible. Homoeroticism. Absolutely. Before we cancel people, Sidney Crosby and Alexander Ovechkin were sitting in a room together. I don't know why. Cocktail party. Perhaps they were watching Price is Right with Drew Carey. He's a hell of a host. I don't know why they were sitting there together. But Sidney Crosby said that he wants to see Alexander Ovechkin break Wayne Gretzky's record. And I like that he said that. Because here's why, Shirtless Tom. I've never, since I've evolved into the Charmander that I am now. Yes, Charizard. Ah, correct. Yeah, you went the opposite there. I did. <laughs> Maybe that's actually what's yeah, happened. that's probably more accurate, yeah. I have always disliked strongly Penguins fans going, Oh, Sidney Crosby's so much better than Ovechkin. And I do think Crosby's a top five player of all time, and I don't think Ovechkin is, although he might be the greatest goal scorer of all time. I just think that sometimes when you compare the two ad nauseum as has happened in this year, Tan, and really around the National Hockey League at large, is that you wind up diminishing one of the others to try to lift the other, propel the other one up into another level of greatness. You don't have to crap on Alexander Ovechkin to say Sidney Crosby's a top five player ever. You don't have to crap on Sidney Crosby to say that Alexander Ovechkin is the best goal scorer ever. I'm just happy that we got to experience both of their primes at the same time. You look at 2009. That was incredible. That's the best. That playoff series. Oh, my God. I'm happy that it played out the way that it did. Dueling hat tricks. Oh, But that was unbelievable. Right. They I lost that game, by the way. The they, Penguins. Right. I know. And it's still the one that sticks in my crawl the most. Well, and I think it is a perfect representation of who each player is, apart from the Penguins losing and the Capitals winning. Crosby batted three goals in. I mean, they were all dirty, right around the mouth, right? The goal mouth. And Ovechkin... They were all beautiful. I mean, just gorgeous. There was nothing in the sport that you feared back then, and for a long time in hockey, that Ovechkin flying down the wing, and he'd do the curl and drag, or he'd shoot it between your legs. But Ovechkin over the blue line was the most terrifying thing in sports, maybe. Not just hockey, but maybe in sports. And so Alexander Ovechkin deserves an awful lot of credit for being maybe the greatest goal scorer of all time. And I realize that there are others in that conversation. Spare me the debate. Crosby's rooting for him. I'm rooting for him too. Crosby to me, top five ever. Alexander Ovechkin, greatest goal scorer ever. But you can't tell the history of this era of ice hockey in a National Hockey League without those two players. Uh, the best two players of this generation Obviously, bar none. And I like that they're both so widely respected the way that they are and that they do seem to have a little bit of respect for each other. Ready to cancel some bitches. Ah. 
Shirtless Tom, I'm canceling pear trees. Oh, pear trees. Might cancel partridges as well. Keeping council, keeping council, keeping council. Get to the back of the queue. Keeping council, keeping council, keeping council. Everybody's up in that shoe. In summertime, there's this beautiful pear tree in my backyard. Mm-hmm. And it looks nice. Yeah. And the pears, they're little tiny pears. Mm-hmm. And they don't fall. Little bite-sized pears. Yeah, they mm-hmm. just hang out. They're cute pears. Yeah, you're not going to eat them. No. But it looks really nice. Mm-hmm. And my wife said, Adam... Why don't we cut down this pear tree? Because it sucks. Because we build a fence, and the pear tree's behind the fence, and it sucks. And you know what I said? No. You said no to your wife? Yeah, I'm not going to kill a living thing. God bless you. I'm a snowflake after all. I really want to cut that mother bleeper down. You should cut that mother bleeper down. Guess what happens now? It's fall, so it's not just the leaves that come down. The pears. Giant ass pears. You got a kid you got to watch out for. So there's two reasons this needs to go. Yeah. Number one, we got a hammock between our shed and the pear tree. (laughs) We'll find another stand on the other side for the hammock. Just put a post in. Bro, I was napping the other day in a hammock. By the way, top 10 thing of all time hammock naps. I love it. Little breeze. Napping on a cloud. Mm. Pear falls right on my nutsack. I mean, a big honking pear. I knew that was coming. Like dole-level pear. The pears had gotten bigger as the summer had went on. You, in your mind's eye, thought they were still just little baby pears. Not the case. You could sell these a giant eagle. You could. (laughs) And I imagine that this pear is probably something like 13, 14, maybe 15 years old. That's how long it took for my pears to drop. I was 15. Yes. 16 for me. Really? Yeah, late bloomer. I thought I was a late bloomer. At any rate, that's reason one. You try to take a hammock nap, and you got pears falling like it's Pearl Harbor. (laughs) Number two reason. I woke up today, and I did my shift from 3 a.m. until 11 a.m., and I take a shower because I'm coming here. I go outside. My wife is freaking out because there's hundreds of bees in our backyard. Oh, no. Hundreds. Oh, no. I'm not even kidding. Pears. Hundreds of bees. Bees. Excuse me. Because the pears fell. And the bees are going after them. Now they're feasting on the sugars. There must have been 70, 80 pears that fell off the tree in the middle of the night. I don't know if we had a windstorm or something. So I killed a whole bunch of bees. I shoveled all these pears into a basket. They're out on the sidewalk now. Going to get stung. My daughter's going to get stung. I'm getting hit in the nuts. Pearl Harbor pear tree, you're canceled. You should shop down that pear tree. Can I ask before we cancel the pear tree again? Mm Mm-hmm. What did you do to kill the bees? What was your method? Whacking them with the shovel. Oh, that's a terrible method. You need to get some smoke or something like that or some aerosol spray. Those be- I don't want to do any hand-to-hand combat of any kind with a bee. I didn't either. You know what? Screw bees. Bees are canceled, too. Keeping counsel, keeping counsel, keeping counsel. Get to the back of the queue. Keeping counsel, keeping counsel, keeping counsel. Everybody's up in that shoe. For my canceled, this is probably a little bit of a stretch, but I'm doing it anyway because I'm just so sad. But uh, I'm canceling cancer. You don't ever need to explain why you're canceling cancer. It's a terrible disease that needs to be eradicated from the face of the earth. But the reason I bring it up on this podcast, as I'm sure you already know, the comedy world lost a giant this uh, past week with Norm MacDonald passing away. So screw cancer, canceling cancer. I just want to play a 50-second clip about Norm that I heard that I had never heard before just based on him going viral on Twitter that is, I think, very Crowley Show podcast and perfect. Went into a coma. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And uh, the doctor said uh, to me, 
You won't hear this from any 1935 comet. <laughs> he says to me, there's one way to wake her up, but it's a little unconventional. You go in there and you have oral sex with her. I said, by God. <laughs> he says, I've seen it work. I said, well, I'm willing to try. So I go in there, I'm in there about five minutes, and I come out. I said, Doc, she's choking. <laughs> The best part about Norm was always those one-liners at the end, too, where he'd be like, that's modern medicine for you, though. He always had the hooks at the end of the jokes that were the best. He was the best comedian, I think, ever, and might have well, might have been the best or funniest man alive when he passed away. So, R.I.P. Norm and, and uh, Cancer, you're canceled. It sucks to say this, but when a guy like that dies, I then learn so much more about them. I said this to Brian just the other day. There have been Norm superfans that have just been born in these past couple of yes. days in the wake of his death. There have been people that have had no idea who he was that now think he was the funniest man to ever live. And that's you're right. There's That effect is felt across genres, music, comedy, serious, dramatic acting. When people die, people just get reintroduced to them or introduced to them for the first time. And it's insane. Maybe you should be thanking cancer. It's a terrible thing to say. You're canceled. I still want Norm to be alive, you son of a bitch. I know. I said that because that's what Norm would have said. That is a Norm joke. Yeah. If it was any other comedian who died of cancer, I would not have said that. You know who else Norm would have absolutely hated? Uh, Al Jolson, king of black son of a bitch, the king Mother of blackface. Al Jolson, cancel Al Jolson. Hashtag cancel Al Jolson, king of blackface. Disgusting, disgusting. Worse than cancer. anti-cancer I can't wait I'm gonna trend on Twitter Adam Crowley is pro-cancer I don't want that happen then I'm actually gonna get canceled I mean I guess you just did but you don't want to be the pro-cancer guy and I'm not obviously it is Norm McDonald. what a weird thing to have to explain and I hate AIDS too <laughs> and COVID all the diseases all the diseases they suck get it out of here Garrick's disease oh, disgusting polio's Get out because it made pit rise to the occasion. Not because it killed a whole bunch of people, but because it put pit on a pedestal. We're done. What does he say? Ball, Ball cock. cock. I don't know why. <laughs>